Welcome everybody to the house of the Lord. Let's all stand together. Before we start this evening with a time of time of worship, a time of prayer, I want to read for you guys Romans 5, starting with verse 6. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. What an encouraging message. What an encouraging thing to hear. And this evening, I want to go into a time of prayer, a time of worship with this mindset, reminding each and every single one of us, God's sacrifice for us. And the beautiful thing is, we can remember about how good God has been in our lives, but the thing is, God still works today, amen? God still saves people today, amen? So let's sing together and let's worship together and remember how sweet the sound of amazing grace is, amen? i 
Salmistul în psalmul 34, care a fost citit în dimineața aceasta, ne spune atitudinea pe care el o avea când venea înaintea Domnului. O atitudine pe care am vrea să o avem și noi în după masa aceasta. El spunea așa, Voi binecuvânta pe Domnul în orice vreme. Lauda lui va fi totdeauna în gura mea. Să mi se laude sufletul în Domnul, să asculte cei nenorociți și să se bucure. Înălțați pe Domnul împreună cu mine, să lăudăm cu toții numele Lui. Amin. Aș vrea să venim înaintea Domnului în rugăciunea prin care să cerem îndurarea și binecuvântarea Domnului peste părtășia din după masa aceasta. Cu toți ne vom ruga în Duhul nostru. Cu voce tare ne vor conduce înaintea tronului de har, sora Dina Cătuna și fratele Radu Mudrenco, care se vor ruga înaintea Domnului pentru părtășia noastră, pentru cuvânt, pentru cântări, pentru închinarea noastră înaintea lui Dumnezeu și zic Domnul să ne asculte rugăciunea. Venim să-ți mulțumim, Iisuse, că și Tu ne porți de grijă în orice clipă și în orice moment. Tu nu ne lași singur niciodată. Doamne, am venit să ne întâlnim cu Tine în seara aceasta. Te rog să binecuvintezi poporul în seara aceasta. Te rog să ne umpli cu Duhul Tău cel Sfânt, Iisuse. Și îți mulțumim că și Tu ne asculti rugăciunea și glasul. Binecuvintează programul din seara aceasta și pe noi pe fiecare. Și noi îți mulțumim, Tată, Iisuse, Fiule și Duhul Sfinte. Amin. Amin. Bine, Tată din Ceruri, venim în seara aceasta înaintea Ta, plin de mulțumire la, la adresa tronului de slavă, la adresa Ta, Părinte din Ceruri, căci numele Tău este mai presus de orice alt nume și nădejdea care avem în Tine și credința prin Domnul Isus, ne-am adunat în locul acesta să Te binecuvântăm, să Te onorăm, să-ți mulțumim pentru sufletele noastre curățite și spălate yes. în jertfa Ta la Golgota. Yes. Te binecuvântăm și îți mulțumim că ești Tu ne ridicat, Doamne, de unde eram căzuți și ne-ai dat o speranță și o nădejde nouă. Îți mulțumim că căile Tale sunt drepte și adevărate yes. pentru viețile noastre. Aleluia. Îți mulțumim că Te-ai descoperit nouă. Te binecuvântăm și vrem ca Tu să rămâi cu noi în continuare. Să binecuvânți orice suflet, Doamne, și cel nerocit care strică către Tine, în ecaz Tu să-i dai izbăvire. Să ridici, să întărești, Doamne, cerem sprijinul și ajutorul Tău peste noi. Îți mulțumim, Doamne, că și putem să fim în casa Ta. Binecuvântă slujba din seara yes. aceasta, oamenii care vor văsti cuvântul yes. Tău și inimile noastre să primească și să-L punem în împlinire în viața noastră. Te binecuvântăm și îți mulțumim în numele Domnului Isus pentru toate lucrurile. Amin. Da. Declarat Domnul Isus Hristos, casa mea se va numi o casă de... Rugăciune, adică de închinare înaintea lui Dumnezeu. 
Vă salutăm cu multă dragoste și fie după masa aceasta o seară în care Domnul să se ocupe de inimile noastre. Eu am nevoie de atingerea Domnului și poate dacă ai și tu nevoie, Domnul să-ți asculte ruga. Vom asculta cuvântul Domnului citit pentru programul, în programul de citire al bisericii locale prin Etan de Geu, psalmul 36, după care corul, apoi un solo prin sora Debbie Mois, un grup din familia Chira va lauda de asemenea numele Domnului, ca după punctele acestea, cuvântul Domnului să fie vestit în seara aceasta, în prima parte a mesajului din partea Domnului pentru noi, prin fratele Cristian Trata, pe care dorim din toată inima Domnul să-l folosească. Good evening, church. I'll be reading from the book of Psalm 36. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and to do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heaven. Your faithfulness to the clouds, your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. Amen.
Laudați și slăviți să fie Dumnezeul nostru. Amin. Amen. Haideți în seara asta să lăudăm pe Domnul cu toată mintea noastră, cu tot sufletul nostru și inimile noastre. Să avem inime deschise pentru, pentru El și să lăsăm să fim conduși de, de Duhul Lui cel Sfânt. Amen. Amen. Dearly beloved, I ask now, those of you who can, to please rise to your feet. I'd like to read together with you from the Word of God four verses found in Psalm 90. I'll start with verse 9 through verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 9. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even, by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I want to read that one more time. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Father God, I praise your holy name tonight, Jesus, and I pray that you would impart the Spirit of God, your Holy Spirit, upon every person here, anyone who may be listening, that you would speak tonight and your words would be spoken and not my own. Jesus, I pray for every person here to receive the Word of God, to have a personal encounter with you tonight, Jesus. You are healer, you are redeemer, you are counselor. Your story is a story of redemption, Jesus. While we were still sinners, you died and rose again for our transgressions, Jesus. You are worthy of all our praise tonight and every night, Jesus, and your mercies are renewed every day. And I pray tonight that we are recipients of your mercy, your kindness, your grace, and your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Let us be seated, please. Dearly beloved, um, on May 11th, uh, 2023, exactly one month ago today, I was in my office a little after four in the afternoon. I was preparing to draft some things. I was very, it was a very quiet uh, day for me. I was in my own thoughts and I was staring at the computer screen and what would happen next um, still has me shaken up to this day. As I'm looking at the screen, I begin to feel a shake in the room. Now I'm on a second story Build, on the second story of a two-story building in, in, in a large um, office complex. And I begin to feel the earth shake. But it, I thought, I looked to the ceiling and I thought maybe perhaps there were men working up there because we've had some renovation work as of late. And I quickly realized that 
even if there were men up there, even many men, they couldn't be large enough to be able to cause the entire building to shake. And then it hit me like a punch in the chest. All of a sudden, I was faced with the reality of the fact that it was an earthquake. And uh, to be quite transparent with you, the thoughts that were running through my head were things like, this may be it. I may not ever get a chance to say goodbye to my family. And then all I could do is really just lift a prayer to heaven, a prayer of repentance, if I'm honest, a prayer of save me, God. That's all I could do. I realized in that moment the frailty of life. I realized just how we lack control and that God has the final word. And after a few moments, which to me felt like an eternity, um, the shaking stopped, and, and I got to a point where I was able to, you know, it was safe enough for me to get up out of my seat and walk into the hallway. And I was immediately confronted by two other coworkers who, you know, the three of us asked the same question, did you feel that? And the response was yes. And it was confirmed later that it was in fact an earthquake. It was a five point something magnitude earthquake that, that occurred about three hours from where we're standing right now. But I gotta tell you that that emotion still has me shaken up to this day, and, and I'm not exaggerating one bit. Um, it was really something. And so as I was reflecting on this psalm, it really struck a chord. It really, these words really hit like, like no other time ever. And what, what struck me the most in reading these words is specifically verse 12, which is the verse I'd like to focus on tonight, which is, teach us to number our days. These words were written by Moses, the man of God. This is a man who, in, who was in the presence of God. This was a man who daily conversed with God. This was a man who, when he descended from the mountain, the people were afraid to stand near him because they could see the radiance and the glow of God. And this is the same man who writes these very words, teach me, teach us to number our days. In other words, teach me to make my days count and to treat my days for what they really are, which is gifts from God. Amen? His mercies are renewed every day. Let us not go through life really taking that for granted. And in addition to that, this, this passage here, this, this plea, this, this petition that Moses makes is also reveals to us the stark contrast between really the timelessness of God. God lives beyond, the, beyond time. For him, a thousand years is like a day. There's quite literally the verses in this psalm compared to the brevity of man to where really we're, we're just a short breath away from eternity at any given time. And that's hard to process sometimes because we're literally one breath away from eternity. Now, where we spend eternity, that depends on us. Because you see, the reality is because of the sin of Adam, we all will face death. This is a reality. Um, but I believe that we must make our days count. We have to treat our days for what they really are, gifts from God. So in my reflection on this passage here, um, I, I, the, the Spirit of God really... They're, they're, illuminated or, or I was inspired by this passage and I found three components, at least three things that we could do to make our days count. And the first of these three components is 
found in verse 9 where it says, For all our days pass away under your wrath. You see, the reality is the wrath of God. And no one, we, we must all be reminded of the wrath of God. We must all be reminded that while we were still sinners, God sent his son to die for us. And that wrath is a reality. So in order for us to make our days count, it's not only teach me to count my days, but it's teach me to remember that I once was dev- so devastated by sin and judgment that while we were sinners, God sent his son to die and rise again on our behalf. And not just that, but he was peacemaker. Christ was peacemaker between us and God. He reconciled our relationship. In addition to that, if that weren't enough, he has given us access to God the Father through his spirit, which daily lives in us. I mean, he is, he is with us. He is present. And to not, to not utilize this this what I believe is the greatest gift God could have ever le- left us with, his spirit, it w- quite honestly, would be shameful for us not to do. And we are anchored on his eternal promise, which is his resurrection. We have been born again with Christ. But sadly, this reality of the wrath of God or the righteousness of God, there are some who choose to suppress the truth. This is what the Bible says. You see, there are some who live in denial or perhaps they ignore the wrath of God, but this is far worse than ignorance or denial because the word of God says that this is outright suppression of the truth because the reality is we can never use ignorance as a defense before God. We can never sin before our creator and say, God, you just did not give me enough evidence to support your existence. So what some people do is they suppress the truth because they're following the desires of their flesh. And we've seen this, we could see it on, in our society. Um, the Word of God says this, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. In other words, we've all been shown the divine nature of God, but there are some who volitionally decide to suppress the truth following their own desires, the desires of their flesh. And if we read down in that same chapter in Romans from verse 19 all the way down, the Apostle Paul writes how God would give these people up to their debased minds, exchanging natural things for unnatural things, following their lustful passions, And claiming to be wise, they became fools. So the first component, if you will, of making our days count, living our days as gifts from God, is to really daily be reminded of the wrath of God and to be reminded daily that Jesus died for our sins. Amen? Amen. But just knowing this is not enough. I think we all get that. I think we all understand that the, the idea of having knowledge or information is not enough. I mean, all of the Bible study in the world with nothing more will not save a single soul. And that's because we need to act on our faith. You see, Christ had a heart for the sinner. Christ went beyond himself in his comfort. He was willing to die, which he did, for the truth. And I believe the second component to making our days count 
to living our days as gifts from God is to not just have the knowledge of salvation, but to be about salvation, to really have the heart for sinners, for our hearts to break for what baked Christ. Um, we have to go beyond our comfort, and we really have to live for Christ. You see, living for Christ is obeying his command, and obedience is an action. It's not just having knowledge or the understanding of salvation, but it's doing something about it. It's living out our faith. I'll put it to you like this. If, if the world was in need of a philosopher, I'm pretty sure God would have sent the greatest philosopher to teach us. But the world is and was and will always be until his return in need of a savior. Amen? Amen. God sent a savior. Even though Jesus was a great teacher, it wasn't that he was just an eloquent speaker, educator, teacher. No, no. Jesus was a good shepherd, as we just sang earlier. He was a good shepherd. And really, the throne and the power of his ministry was in his heart. Jesus had a heart for people. Jesus had, the, had a heart and has a heart for sinners. Amen? In other words, how can we live out the Great Commission, which is to go out and make disciples of men, if our hearts aren't breaking for those who are still in sin and in the world? I'd like to read to you guys an excerpt from a book called Power Through Prayer, author E.M. Bounds. This was a book that was given to me by a dear friend of the, of the church. And I'll read to you a couple lines here. He writes, It is easier to fill the head than it is to prepare the heart. It is easier to make a brain sermon than a heart sermon. It was the heart that drew Son, the Son of God from heaven. It is the heart that will draw men to heaven. Men of heart is what the world needs to sympathize with its woe, to kiss away its sorrows, and to compassionate its misery, and to alleviate its pain. And here's the line I really want us to, to really take away, which is, Christ was imminently the man of sorrows because he was preeminently the man of heart. Christ was imminently the man of sorrows because he was preeminently the man of heart. It is imperative that we don't make ministry just a professional thing. I think the last thing anybody needs is just a professional public speaker, motivational speaker, because the truth is, a professional ministry is a heartless ministry, let's face it. And we're seeing that all around. So, in effort to make our days count, we first must be reminded of the wrath of God, that Jesus died for our sin. Secondly, we have to live out our faith. We have, a, have to have a heart for sinners. We have to go beyond ourselves. And thirdly, I believe that we have to be able to see the unforeseeable. We have to see the unforeseeable. Now, some of you may ask or may question this and say, well, those are two logical opposites. How can you see something that is unforeseeable? But I'm here to remind us that in Christ, all things are revealed. Amen? Amen. I'll read to you a short verse, Daniel 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 22. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. He knows what is in the darkness because the light dwells with him. You see, he is the light. And so if we want to be able to see the unforeseeable, it's about positioning ourselves before Christ. It's about 
anchoring ourselves before Christ. Christ has to be, must be the center of my world, of my universe, because when I'm anchored under the, the love and protection of Christ, I will be able to see through the darkness and into the light because he is the light. Amen? Amen. Because when you see through the lens of Christ, we have a completeness in Christ. We're no longer looking at our circumstances from our vantage point, from our point of view. You see, many times I, I believe Christians, I believe believers victimize themselves and I think that's largely a result of not truly anchoring ourselves in the love of Christ. And I'll explain by what I mean by victimizing ourselves. Um, I'll use a, a practical example, something I deal with in my line of work. Before we take on any new client, we sit down and we have a, an interview. And in that interview, people describe the, their specific set of facts. And not all the time, not even most of the time, but some of the time, you occasionally get something that goes like this. You see, I was at the wrong place, I was somewhere at the wrong place at the wrong time, a guy came out of nowhere, crashed his car into mine, I am hurt, I've got all these injuries, I've got all these damages, I need justice now. And so, some cases that might be the truth, but you see, this person gave us their circumstances from simply their lens, their perspective, their vantage point. And what we have to do is we have to ask the difficult questions. And sometimes in asking those questions, see, we, have, we, we perform an objective analysis. And we discover sometimes that maybe perhaps there were things that happened that took place right before the incident that could have changed the outcome of the entire thing. In other words, this person goes from no liability to partial liability to sometimes it's my fault. And I believe that some believers, sadly, sometimes engage in this type of behavior or they view themselves as victims, or we do at times, I have, I'll be honest, because I, I'm not, or I wasn't at the time, anchored in, in Christ completely. You see, I only saw things through my lens, through my perspective. And sadly, sometimes, if we're honest, and I'm talking to some young people tonight, um, we engage in a perpetual cycle of up-to-the-edge living. You see, we want to see how close we can get to the edge of sin before it becomes a problem. The problem is, it will be a problem every time. We'll fall flat on our face every single time. And when we do, the first thing we do is we say, well, it was her fault or his fault, or if this guy hadn't done this, and you know, whatever. We may even blame the church. We may even blame God. Sadly, I've done that in the past. The problem is you can't blame God because the word of God says God is not in the business of tempting a single person. He's not in the business of setting us up for failure. If you remember in the book of James, this is clearly spelled out. Chapter 1, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot, tempt, yes. cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So you see, the key to seeing the unforeseeable or the ability to detect the patterns of the enemy is to position ourselves before Christ in such a way where we can see through the darkness into the light. That way, the enemy will not surprise us with his attacks. We have to have the completeness of Christ. We have to look at things from the lens of Christ. What would Christ do? What would Christ think? Not what am I thinking? What best benefits me? 
I'll put it to you like this. It's like standing outside in the, mid, in a, in, in the middle of a hot summer day, being directly under the hot sun, fully clothed. At some point, those layers are going to come off. This is what it, what it is when we are positioned, we're anchored underneath the love of Christ, when we are under his wing, under his protection, he will show us the sin in our lives, and pretty soon, they have to, the layers will start coming off, because that's how God works. The closer we are to him, the closer we see the sin in our lives, and it must depart from us, it must leave us, because the love of Christ will not allow us to serve him and serve the enemy at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. So we must stand in the way of Christ. We must be anchored in his love at all times. So, and then we will not be surprised by the attack of the enemy. So you, the question I have, and perhaps some of you may have, well, these are the three components I've come, you know, or I believe I, I was led to, you know, in terms of how to make our days count. But the question may be, how do I have confirmation that I am doing these things? How do I have confirmation? How do I know that I'm living my life and I'm making my days count, and I'm treating each day as a gift from God. And I believe that the response or the answer to this is a response to a question. If we can answer one simple question with a resounding yes or an emphatic yes, then I believe we'll have confirmation that we are living our lives according to God's will, that we're making our days count. And that question was posed... In the, book of, in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, if you'll remember, in this chapter, and I'll briefly, we all know the story, but I'll, I'll give it some context because I want to come back to this later. But if you remember in that chapter, this would be the third time Jesus would show himself to his followers after his death and resurrection. And he showed himself, and there was a group of men who were professional fishermen. One of them was Peter, who Jesus specifically told, I want you to be a fisher of men. Yet on this occasion, Peter was out fishing for fish. And again, if we know that how the story goes, that the men were unsuccessful in catching anything. They spent all night fishing, caught nothing. But what I want to focus on is the dialogue between Peter and Jesus. You see, once Peter realized it was Jesus he was talking to or was talking with him, the two engaged in dialogue. And there was one specific question that Jesus asked Peter three times, four words. And I believe that if our response to this one question is yes, we have confirmation that we are doing God's will. And that is, do you love me? Jesus asked this question to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Because if we love Christ truly, and we mean it, if it's an authentic yes, if it's a resounding yes, we're not just saying it with our lips, but we're living out that truth, then we're answering the question of well, our responses to the question that when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, if you remember, the Pharisees came and asked Jesus, teacher, teacher, teach us, what is the greatest commandment of all? And the response was, love Christ with all your mind, be reminded of the wrath of God, love Christ with all your heart, have a heart for the sinners, have a heart for the gospel, have a heart for ministry, have a heart for Christ, and three, love Christ with all your soul. Be anchored on the eternal promise, which is the resurrection of Christ. And if you can respond to this question with a resounding yes, then I believe you have confirmation that you're living out the truth, that you're, you're on the path to righteousness. Amen? You see, this question goes right to the heart. 
goes right to the heart. He says, Peter, do you love me? Which means if you love me, if you say yes, what you're really saying is, Jesus, I love you enough to even hate my own life. John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. Jesus, in his word, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You see, if our response is yes to loving Jesus, then our old ways have to die. They must die. The word of God says so. Because if you remember, Jesus says, if anyone loves me or anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow after me. And I'm here to remind, especially young people, that a cross is meant to die on. A cross isn't settled for your young people. What was the theme? To die is gain. Amen? Let us not treat those words loosely. Let's, let's, let's give that, that verse the importance it deserves. See, when we seek the will of God, our old ways will die. Our lives will be transformed, and we will begin to do the will of God. Again, obedience is action. Action means doing something. But there might be people up there or out there tonight who would say, works. Isn't faith enough? If isn't believing enough? If I just believe, if I just have the faith, isn't that enough? And yes, this is being taught in some, some circles. You know, they exclusively only preach on the grace of God. That's it. The, abund- the, you know, the abundant grace of God, which is, is true. But that's the partial truth. See, they leave the part about self-denial out because it isn't, let's face it, it isn't popular enough. Some people may leave. And so... They affirm teachings like, love is love, but sin is sin, amen? And so, if what we say with our lips doesn't manifest in our conduct, then I'm sorry, we were all deceived by the enemy. Because loving Christ is obeying Christ. Look, no one is above the law, just look at nature. Nature has to obey the laws of God. When it's, just, just look around, the sun rises every morning, who do you think does that? It is God who commands all things. We are not above his law. So we must obey the laws of God and we must remain obedient to Christ. One pastor put it like this. He says, it's not faith and works, but it's faith that works. It's faith that produces works. And remember, the book of James is all about this. I believe first chapter. But sadly, when we, and this is, this is not just unbelievers, but this is all of us. Sadly, there are seasons when we choose to disobey or there's a lack of obedience in our lives. Let's, let's face it. This is reality. It was talked about this morning during our opening prayers. There are times when we stumble and we fall. And I believe that that misery and that shame and guilt that we carry is what Peter felt as Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? By the third time Jesus asked him, Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. But I believe he was saddened by this question as we often are when we are carrying the shame and the guilt of our lives, of, our, of whatever it is that's, that's keeping us apart from the love of Christ. So young people, if you're here tonight, or it doesn't matter your age, if you've come in here with, with guilt or shame, 
If maybe perhaps there's a hidden sin in your life, maybe there's a, there's a hidden addiction that your parents don't know about, and maybe it's right, amen. amen. Rededicate your life to him. This week, we're going into a prayer week. What better time than to rededicate your life to Christ because what happens next is you will lean on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I touched on this earlier, but I, I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, this past week in Bible study, we, read, um, we were reading the second half of Romans 8, and there's this one line in there that says that the Holy Spirit even takes our utterances, our groans, that are too deep for words and uses them in, as intercessory tools. Do we, do we realize the, the majestic power? And we have, this, we have this power, this resource, and is available to us, and he is, the Spirit himself is calling out for us to, to utilize him, for us to lean on him every day. And yet many of us sometimes decide and, and think we can handle, tackle life's problems on our own. Rededicate your life. Please, if that's you tonight, again, we have a week of prayer coming up. Do not miss out. Because what the Spirit will do, He will move you towards prayer. He will guide your prayers. Amen? Amen. And so, I just want to share with you briefly, as, as we're discussing, you know, the power and the presence of His Holy Spirit. This is something I haven't shared too much publicly, but five years ago, God began to take inventory of my life. There were many changes that happened, some of which were were not uh, pleasant ones, but they were necessary. You see, God came in and he did some housekeeping in my own life. And I began to realize that I made many promises in my youth and I hadn't kept some of those promises. But God is good, amen? amen. He came in and, and at the time I had more questions than there were answers. In fact, what I did was victimize myself like I was talking about earlier. I only saw things from my perspective and I started to question the fairness of God. God, I thought you were a God of fairness, but that's not true. You see, God revealed to me many areas of my life where there was hurt, there was pain, there was forgiveness or lack of forgiveness. And he began to work and this process of sanctification began to really take off. You see, Christ was in my life, but he wasn't the center of my life. He wasn't number one. So he came in and began to do some work. And he opened doors in my personal life, professionally, and even in ministry. I would not be standing here today if God hadn't done the things he did. So I want to give him all the honor for that and all the glory. And in the fall of 2019, I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And since then, my spiritual life hasn't been the same. I'm not suggesting I'm by any means perfect. I have my struggles. But I've been able to overcome things that I never thought I could before. You see, I was, I was like one of those fishermen who was aimlessly fishing, catching nothing. And then Jesus came and said, cast your net to the right. And then ever since then, I've been overwhelmed, spiritually speaking. Amen? Amen? So let's treat our days like gifts from God. Let's make our days count. We only have so many. The truth is we have a finite amount of days. And only God knows any person, if you're here tonight, be reminded of the wrath of God. Give yourself to have a heart for Christ. Go beyond your comfort and also be positioned and anchored on the love of Christ. Because if you do these three things, you will have the response to the most important question, which is, yes, Jesus, I love you. And when you have that, the word of God makes one promise to us, which is the most important promise of all, which is 
that nothing, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Laudați să fie Domnul! Frați și surori, câteva anunțuri și vom proceda cu lucrarea Domnului din după masa aceasta. Încă o dată, frate Beni, ne vom ruga pentru tine marți, când vei fi la operație, ca Dumnezeu să fie cu tine și apoi Domnul să-i dea vindecare completă. Pentru mâine seară, suntem anunțat pentru cei care în mod obișnuit sunt la părtășia de la studiu biblic, pentru că va fi o săptămână a încurajării la rugăciune și mâine seară, cei de la Bible Study vor fi 